welcome to the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. This is a radio program that airs every Saturday at 11 Eastern on WXOJ Valley Free Radio in Springfield, Massachusetts. And we decided to put it up as a podcast because everybody has a podcast these days. It is by theme a sports show, but we by no means limit our discussion to sports. We all have an education background. So we talk a lot about education policy and what's going on in the country right now. So we do talk a little bit of sports, but you don't have to be a sports enthusiast to enjoy it and appreciate it. So we hope you do. Thanks for listening. You're listening now to the Sports Plus Show with Big D, Baker, and Joe. That's our new name. And uh, I believe we may even become a podcast. Uh, So I'm Big D. uh, I'm Baker. And I'm Joe. And Joe. Now, um, Joe, uh, now, Joe, you realize making a commitment to this show means you got to get up in the morning on Saturday. Ridiculously. F- about 5 o'clock, so I don't sound like I'm still asleep when it's time for us to talk. <laughs> or, and just so everyone knows, we, we record this about about two hours before it actually goes on the air, which for me, it's, a, it's right now it's 6.14 a.m., which... I've just I've just tried to condition myself later in the week to start getting up earlier because <laughs> you're not normal. Weeks, See, Matt and I are always up. We got kids uh, and we go to school, and so we're always up at six, right, Matt? Oh yeah, always. Yeah. yeah. So what's your normal time, Joe? Uh, actually, I'm I'm a usually a pretty early riser. It's just that I usually don't well. What is pretty early together. in your in your mind? Eh, six six six, oh, okay. six thirty seven right. o'clock. But yeah. generally, I don't have to speak coherently right. <laughs> after being awake for forty five minutes. Same so. with Matt and I. Right? We sip our little tea or coffee, and you know, uh, yeah. read the yeah, sports page. About, takes me about two hours to get into the day. I don't quite have that luxury. I'm not All getting right. up at 4.15 for this. But. Well, now, uh, so you get to start off like usual with the Portland update because, God, what is with Portland and Oregon? It's like, you know, forget the protests. I don't even know if you have anything to say on them. You probably do. But the um, my... my uh, son and wife and two boys live in San Diego. And although they're, I think, pretty safe from the fires, um, they've been sending pictures of the sky. And I don't think Oregon's exactly like this, but uh, California's is like a pinkish orange. And there's no, you don't see any sun, you don't see any blue sky. So what's happening in Portland, Joe? I will send you guys some pictures. It is I mean, it's unbearable. I I haven't really been able to go outside in the last couple. Well, of wait days. a minute. You mean it's it is, hard to breathe? It's hard to breathe. The, wow. the, air, the smoke in the air is so thick that you wow. really vision is limited to you know a, a few hundred yards. When, really, do you have a car? I have a car. Yeah. So I, when you I, drive, do you put your headlights on? Yeah, you have to middle of the day. It, it seems like like dusk all day. I've wow. I've lived on the West Coast for probably twelve years of my adult life, fifteen years or so. I the fires get worse every year. I've never seen anything like this. This is and it is it is all up and down the West Coast. It, it the, enough. <sighs> Oregon now has already has more fires just a few weeks into fire season than any point in the last 10 years. There and that's are, what's kind of frightening, what you just said. It, fire season hasn't really fully begun yet. Right, right. And there are already 40,000 people have been evacuated in Oregon. There are 500,000 people who are, in, who are rated in some category of being at risk of being evacuated, including me, in, in the city. I mean, there's so much asphalt here 
you would think that we'd be protected, but we're actually in phase one, and there are mandatory evacuations eight miles from here in wow. the city in Malala. So wow. it's it's really it's funny how how quickly the concerns shift. I mean, I haven't heard anybody say a word about the protests all week this week because everybody's just i don't i don't, honestly don't i would doubt they're even happening with the it would be kind of unhealthy reason. wouldn't it you know it would be kind of unhealthy and yeah. honestly i don't know anyone that's that's going outside except for when they absolutely really? have to wow yeah it, it's now are people well, people are wearing masks too i imagine right yeah, it's funny. You don't hear, you know, you hear people sort of tell you, why do people wear a mask when they're alone in their car? I haven't heard anybody say that in the last few days. I mean, I, I actually, I have a, a full on like painter's respirator mask with its cartridges and the full face thing. And I wore that the other day when I went to the pharmacy. That's how bad it was. Wow. Wow. All right. And no, no, so no politics for a change. Uh, I, I would say I, I, there was a, you know, <laughs> I, know, I can't, I can't avoid it. There was a, an article on OPB yesterday that said, what's OPB Oregon public broadcast, Oregon, okay. Oregon public broadcasting, yep. which is our, our NPR station. Yep. And they, it said there was a statewide survey that said that, uh, something like 56% of Oregonians say that the ongoing protests are doing more harm than good. And the thing that was most wait a minute, what percentage said it? Sixty-six uh, percent. Wow, two thirds. Two thirds. And what's funny is that both the governor and police commissioner and slash mayor have disapproval ratings in the high fifties. But the the most striking thing was the huge difference between older voters and younger voters, where older voters. You know, we're in the 80 percent, while in the 18 to 29, it was more like 20, I think it's 26 percent. And 66 percent of those age 18 to 29 said that police are using too much force, where the majority of older people like us said they weren't using enough. Wow. So that's a change because in the beginning of this recent Black Lives Matter uh, business, one of the uh, striking things was the support by older Americans. Yeah, and I, I think people are are getting a little weary of it. Yeah, I, I also think we're getting, and personally, I'm getting weary of the, you know, and I've been hammering this for weeks, but the 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 reaction from the rest of the country is along the lines of the stories that the rest of the country is being fed about what's actually happening here, and I've I've tried you know, to, to preach what's actually happening and try to get it out there. But it's really, uh, it's really disheartening that people aren't seeing what actually is happening out there every night. And they, they regard it as violent events when that's a very small portion and the violence has been mild to say the least. All right. All right. So there's our Portland update. Now, I want to just hope it gets happier soon. I hope so, too. Um, I want to start with like a little editorial opinion. And this is just me. But I think that um, Matt and Joe share it. But we'll see. So any regular listener to the show knows that I'm a basketball junkie. I love basketball. But one of the reasons that I really love it is I feel that the only two leagues that have really had freedom of speech and have really spoken out are the WNBA and the NBA. Um, and football and baseball 
have, I feel, you know, basically most football and baseball teams are owned by uh, billionaires who often, um, you know, like Kraft for the Patriots, uh, a a big Trump supporter. So they they tend to be conservative um, and not really, you know, look at what happened to Kaepernick. I mean, uh, now people are saying, oh, yeah, it's like Goodell. Goodell is my my boogeyman um, saying, oh, yeah, Kaepernick. So I'm I'm sorry that we, uh, you know, well, if you were sorry about it, hire the guy, you know. Um, And so but the NBA has truly stepped out. But. Um, NFL is just about to start, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. There's already a game in the books. Um, but uh, the first game for the Patriots, and this is actually, uh, it'll be interesting to hear what you two guys predict for the Patriots. Um, but th- this looks like it might not be a total disaster. of a, It may not be a season in which the Patriots get a top five draft pick. Um, but their first game is a tough game against a really good Miami team who beat them the last time they played um, in a regular season and really derailed their season last year. Um, and so the, the Miami Dolphins uh, recorded this uh, protest video, which, uh, you know, they don't name names, but this is Roger Goodell. And so now, so in other words, and what they're kind of saying is, all right, Roger, so you're talking the talk. How about walking the walk? So now they're going to be a national anthem and lift every voice, the, the so-called black national anthem. Um, And uh, so here's what the Dolphins posted, which I think is tremendously brave. That's the mystery. Or is it just another symbolic victory? Now there's two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? If we could just right our wrongs, we wouldn't need two songs. We don't need another publicity parade. So we'll just stay inside. Until it's time to play the game. Whatever happened to the funds that were promised? All of a sudden we got a collapsed pocket? The bottom line should not be the net profit. You can't open your heart when it's controlled by your wallet. Decals and patches. Fireworks and trumpets. We're not puppets. Don't publicize false budgets. Ask the pundits and we shouldn't have a say. If you speak up for change, then I shut up and play. If we remain silent, that would just be selfish. Since they don't have a voice, we're speaking up for the helpless. It's not enough to act like you care for the troops. Millions for pregame patriotism. You get paid to salute. Lift every voice and sing. It's just a way to save face. Lose the mask and stop hiding the real game face. So if my dad was a soldier, but the cops killed my brother, do I stand for one anthem and then kneel for the other? This attempt to unify only creates more divide. So we'll skip the song and dance. And as a team, we'll stay inside. We need changed hearts, not just a response to pressure. Enough. No more fluff and empty gestures. We need owners with influence and pockets bigger than ours. To call up officials. And flex political power. When education is not determined by where we reside. And we have the means to purchase what the doctor prescribed. And you fight for prison reform and innocent lives. And you repair the communities that were tossed to the side. And you admit you gained from it and you swallowed your pride. And when greed is not the compass, but love is the guide. And when the courts don't punish skin color, but punish the crime. Until then, we'll just skip the long production and stay inside. For centuries, we've been trying to make you aware. Either you're in denial or just simply don't really care. It's not a black-white thing or a left-right thing. Let's clean the whole bird and stop arguing about which wing. 
before the media starts wondering and guessing, they just answered all your questions. We'll just stay inside. And Is talking, it authentic? That's they're talking about um, staying inside for uh, at the football games, which, you know, it's just a, a a habit that the national anthem gets played. It's not a requirement of the football teams, but it happens. And uh, uh, and so there's the national anthem, which has been getting a lot of just criticism written by a slave owner with a reference to slavery in it, um, in one of the verses that isn't commonly sung. Um, and then the lift every voice. So the Dolphins, I just, I, my hats are off to them because they're really calling out Rizel and the owners. Rizel. <laughs> you can tell I'm old. Um, Goodell and the owners. And the owners, um, you know, because th- that's sort of why the NBA struck for a couple days. And they really have gotten some concessions from the owners. And I do think it's, it's somewhat meaningful what they've got, at least for one thing, um, voting and all the arenas that the owners actually control. So there you go. There's my diatribe uh, against the uh, NFL and and praising the Miami Dolphins. And I I think, you know, we also need to call out the fans in Kansas City because... Now, what was that, 17,000 people? Yeah, they let 17,000 people into the the stadium, which is stupid by itself. But we'll see what happens after how they reacted. So the Texans chose to stay inside for the the two songs being sung. And when they came back out onto the field, there were some boos. And then the two teams linked arms at midfield. So both teams came out to midfield after the songs were sung. The Texans came back out. And the crowd, it wasn't a majority of the people in the crowd, but because it was supposed to be a moment of silence, they were very audible. So whatever this minority of fans was, they were booing. And the announcement was essentially that this was a display of unity. So we had, you know, hundreds or thousands of Kansas City locals who felt it appropriate to boo the concept of unity. And I guess that's where we are as a <laughs> That country. is where we're at in a country. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. I mean, I, so honestly, I, I was kind of my I was watching the game. I was streaming it on my Roku stick and I missed the beginning maybe the first 3 minutes of the game. So I didn't watch it live. I couldn't hear it live, but it it was odd to hear sort of like the groans. I watched a, a highlight of it to see the groans of them uh, linking arms. I, I, what, what are exactly are you booing? Right. But I do think, and, and I don't, I feel like I don't necessarily agree with this, but I feel like people just want their sports to be sports. You know, and I think we're at a time now where leagues and athletes are realizing that there might be a bigger responsibility than just sports, right? And, but as consumers, we just want our sports to be sports. And I do understand leagues, look, their bottom line is a business and you know, I don't. I, I think it's going to be change if leagues start to dive into, 
you know, the, the political arena a little bit and where it's not just individual athletes using their platforms or, you know, running commercials, if leagues start to use their platform, you know, um, painting things on the field or painting, you know, Black Lives Matter on the court, you there is going to be pushback from the consumers because I think, and again, this isn't reflective of my personal opinion, but it's unfortunate that people just want sports to be sports. And I think that, like I said, the leagues are realizing that they, there's a bigger responsibility here. Well, yeah, and it's a good, good point, Matt. And I think one thing we're going to see is eventually, and, you know, we keep coming back to this every, you know, week after week, we say, well, things are just about money. Things are just about money. And when the leagues and teams start to realize that people are actually abandoning, you know, sports from the consumer end, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this stuff starts to fade or get dialed back, you know, in not too long, which is sad because I think these are it is sad. It is fights. sad. Because in the there was I felt in the beginning of these protests after several of the murders of unarmed black uh, males that and one female um, that uh, that the American public was getting it and that people my age were getting it. I I have done a little driving around New England and the number of Black Lives Matter signs, um, even in affluent communities, are really, um, you know, frequent. So it's like it's disheartening for me to hear what you guys are saying, and it's probably true. But I think, you know, Matt, like when my kids grew up, I told them that, you know, when they started to drive, um, to be careful and that if you got stopped by a policeman uh, to just, you know, make sure you just said yes, sir, no, sir, and uh, gave them your driver's and, and reg- registration. Uh, but I think it's a different message that the black parent has to um, give their child, including Obama. You know, so it's um, I think until that issue is really taken care of, I, in a way, I don't really care if the American public isn't getting it writ large. I think that there's a lot of people that are very devoted to it. And that's what really struck me with this Miami Dolphins um, protest is that, you know, there still are people who are going to stand up and say what's right and and be persistent. And I think that's really needed. And I see it in the NBA and I see it now in the Dolphins. So I'm hopeful. And well, you know, I, this is go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Go I was going to say this is a this is a very critical moment in our political and social history, and so Absolutely. those things are going to be front and center in a way they've never been before. And I think we have a responsibility to address those with the the seriousness and gravity and that they deserve. And that means it's going to interrupt, you know. It's not just going to be sports. It's going to be the Emmys and the Oscars and, you know, every other major public event is going to have this, this tint. And it's, again, it's something that we need. And I, you know, I never thought I would see, I don't care about other people become a a valid political stance, but it seems like that's where we are now, where they're where the the 40% of people who support this president and come from that side are, actively supporting policies that are going to hurt other people. And that's, that's what I can't, I can't see how anyone of any age 
could support that. But again, that's where we are with 40% of us. Well, here's here. I, I, and I'm, I'm actually glad we kind of went this way. I wanted to talk a little bit about this. So uh, earlier in the week, I saw a friend on Facebook. Right? Let's let's first qualify what a friend on Facebook actually is. <laughs> Not it's, much. It's somebody you'd step in front of a bullet for. <laughs> yeah. No. But but in all seriousness, right? Like so, you know, we use the term. Oh yeah, we're friends on Facebook. Uh, what does that mean? You know. So th- this is somebody who I went to high school with. I was friends with her in high school, but. I, I graduated high school in 2003 and you know, that's, that's the uh, extent of this Facebook friend. So she had posted a, a video um, and it was, it was a video of a black lives matter protest going through, I believe it was um, New York city, but going through restaurants and flipping tables. And it, it was a video of, not a, a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest. Um, and her caption was, along with this video, if you support this, just unfriend me. And so I sort of, what struck me though, is that we, we're now in a, in a state as society, as people, where again, what does unfriend me actually mean? Nothing. But we're also unwilling to talk to other people and listen to other people. Right, right. I sort of was thinking, honestly, so watching this video, I, I, I'm not okay with that. You know, I, I don't think if you want to, to a, a protest, I, am all, I, I want the peaceful protest. But this particular video was flipping tables and kicking people out of their restaurant, you know, out of the restaurant and, and really just causing the scene. But I kind of, I, I wish we were at a point where it was, if you support this, you know, send me a message and, and tell me why I want to, I want to understand why this would be okay. And we need to be at a point where we're not booing pregame unity. We're not, you know, pointing fingers at people who are kneeling for a national anthem or standing for a national anthem. We're not calling them, you know, a, 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 a name for having a different opinion on what something means to them. We need to, you know, we need to open the link of communication between people. And it's not just, oh, I'm a Yankee fan. Well, you're an idiot because you're a Red Sox fan, right? That's sports, but there's so much more going on. And, and, and it was upsetting to see, you know, like, what do you, you're booing unity. There was no, nothing for that. You're, you're telling people, if you agree with this, I just, I want nothing to do with you. And, and that's sort of the mentality that we have right now is if you don't align with me, I just want nothing to do with you. And that honestly, as a parent of two little kids is terrifying to me. I don't, I don't have the answer on how we fix it, but I don't either, but it's a, it's this polarization has sort of always been there, but now it's, it's, it's reached a point. I mean, the thing is, if you 
are so firm in your opinions that you can't listen to someone who has a differing opinion and say, I hear you. I don't really agree with that, but, um, but that's an interesting argument. Or, you know, I see why you support that. But, you know, people don't do that. They, like you say, call you an idiot. Um, you know, Matt and I spent years together uh, working and eating lunch in the same teacher's room. And even though there was 15 people at the table, there was only two that were discussing politics. And we didn't have 100% agreement. I'd say it's more like 60%. And I loved talking to him. And then there was another friend who would occasionally speak up. And she also, I didn't totally agree with her, but I respected the reasons that she, you know, uh, didn't like things that, that I do. Joe and I talked a lot when we were at the uh, WMUA, and we had, including being on sports shows together. And, uh, you know, we may be aligned closer, but we've also had plenty of disagreements. Um, and I just think you're absolutely right, Matt. That is, if there is a problem in this country, it is, I mean, just look at what Congress is doing right now. So whatever you think of, of how, the, what the government budget should be. You know, the fact that people on unemployment, which are an incredible number of millions of people, were getting an extra $600 a week was a really brilliant move that allowed the economy, you know, it gave these people enough money to buy groceries and to maybe buy a new TV or whatever it was they wanted to pay bills, to stay in their house. And then to just stop it and not be able to talk about it and to just let that money disappear hear from people and maybe bring it back. But, but you know, it's like talk. If, if um, our leaders could talk to each other and could actually listen and could compromise, compromise is what's really gone out the door. And uh, yeah, we have to do something about it. Well, Joe, I, I can't Joe, believe what do you I'm going to say this. Yeah, I can't believe I'm going to say this as a pretty much lifelong media industry employee. But I mean, with in in 1965, we had three television stations and five major newspapers in the country, and they printed a a an objective truth. And now there are media outlets that are regarded as legitimate, whether or not they are, that will give you everything from Mother Jones to Fox News, everything from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I think because they're all regarded as legitimate, you can, people can select the sources, the, the news sources that will support whatever stupid things are in their brains and hearts. And I, I say that with all the love towards my fellow Americans, but some of us are really dumb and easily led. And I think because we have these fringes now that have become our education and our reference it, you can think any wild thing and believe it to be the truth. And I think, I don't think there's any coming back from that because it's too bad. It's not like all the, it's not like all these media outlets are going away anytime soon. Yeah, it's not it's, like people are going to become bad. any less stubborn because there but really aren't people, all, there really aren't alternative facts. <laughs> you know, there's no, just facts, no, wear a mask, stay six feet away, you know, um, and wash your hands. If we and, if and we if we've got that message across uniformly, we would be in much. You know, then then I wouldn't be asking Matt if he's nervous about being in school in front of kids. And aside from that, like like you said, Matt, what do you tell your own children as they're starting to right. become more aware of of how these discussions happen and probably starting to have them with their with their schoolmates on a you know on a simpler level? But I. 
I would not want to, I do not envy your position having young children in 2020. Not at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I've always seen sports and I think growing up in sports, you know, locker rooms and your teammates, I, I never had any issues getting along with teammates because of, you know, superficial differences. And, and I just was brought up, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, it becomes frustrating. And, and so sports to me were always that ultimate unifier, that ultimate, um, you know, as an athlete, it just, it, the superficial stuff, it didn't matter. Um, and I'm just seeing it as, as society and, and humans, those superficial things that truly don't matter are what we're hanging on to to be, to drive a bigger gap into, into what we are, your left or your right, or your up or your down. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's upsetting, but you know, we, we've got, uh, I don't know. Well, okay. Let's, let's stop that there. So we we're halfway through our show and, um, you are know, we really, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we've yet to give a score, so I'll give a couple five, three, seven, two. <laughs> you're the, hey, the Celtics won a big game last. Oh night. my God! But wait, before we get into that, I just want to ask one more question about the Kansas City because I have to say I was shocked at the seventeen thousand people, and I watched the game for about one minute. I could see that Kansas City was looked to be totally in control of the game, and so I tu- I didn't watch it. But were these seventeen thousand people in the stands? Were they forced to be socially distanced, or were they all up yeah. in the front row screaming together? They were they were in blocks essentially. I think if you if you entered with a group of people, you could sit with that group of people. But most of the groups were, you know, five, six, eight people, and then there were you know a couple rows in between. Or, or so were, were those rows taped off, or was that just people um, agreed to it or did it on their it, own? I don't know if they did it by seat assignment or. Oh, true. Right. Of, they could. Or, 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 right. They could yeah, determine. They could sold, sold with gaps or, or okay. people. I think, you know, with 17,000 people in the stadium, you could probably more or less just open up the lower bowl and let people sit where they wanted. But I'm not sure actually how. Okay. How and and if, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, and, and this is strictly, I, I don't know what their procedure was. Um, I don't know what. I know like Jacksonville Jaguars are letting in uh, 25% capacity. Um, so I don't know what Kansas city's percentage was. I don't know what their procedures were. I'm, this is strictly just the eye test. I honestly, I didn't, it did not look bad to me personally. I wouldn't go to a football game right now, No, no. but um, you know, I, 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 did, I didn't see a problem with it. You're outside. They, it, to, again, just the eye test. It looked like they were, they had, there was plenty of space. It did look like there were pockets of, you know, if I went with my family, I don't think I would have had to sit six feet away right. from my family members, but the, the party, if I wasn't with a party, it looked like those people had plenty of space between them. Well, and I, you know, I don't think, if it's your choice to go to the game, that right. the, the business can make the money and you as a fan can enjoy the football game. Well, and, and if they stayed in their seats, I mean, the thing is, I know from, you know, when I used to go to the to Red Sox games, about the seventh inning, you could sneak into the box seats down behind home plate. I mean, so there didn't appear to be any of that? 
I don't think you can do that anymore, Daryl. We used okay. to do that. We used to we used to go pay twelve dollars for Rangers or Knicks tickets, right. and then by the middle of the third quarter, we'd be sitting courtside. <laughs> right. I yeah. don't think that's that's really. I know. Uh, I I agree. Now, but let me ask another question then. Um, so, were half the people wearing masks, or were nobody wearing masks in the crowd? I saw some people again, just with the eye test. I, I don't know half. I, there were people wearing masks. Um, I did see people wearing masks, you know, but it, I, I don't know. I did. It, it didn't seem alarming to me. If, if those individuals made a choice to go to the game, they were socially distant. I mean, I'm being forced. Forced is a strong word. My job, I'm teaching kids four days a week in front of me inside a building for six hours. Right. When so, it rains, you're inside. When it rains, it's inside. I'm seeing 200. I see 200 kids a week. So if I can do that, if people want to go to a football game outside, you know, it's not like the virus is going to, um, you know, oh, let's attack in the football. You know, so if people, if it's their choice, they want to go to a game. I, I didn't see a problem with it. Good. Just based, now, based on the eye test. One other question. So when you listen to it. Did the crowd noise make a difference? You know, because like on the on other sports, it's piped in stuff. Um, so did it sound more normal? It did. Yeah, this, the 17,000 people in that football stadium was so much better than the fake noise. And I, I could go on, I could go off on this for, for a whole hour, but <laughs> no, feel free. Noise, you only have 22 well, minutes, but go for it. You, you could spend <laughs> well, a couple the fake minutes. Crowd on noise it. is really starting to drive me nuts. And I sort of feel Especially like in baseball. Well, and it's the the unnatural nature of it. I feel like is is starting to, it, I, it may be ruining the competitive balance because when you've got, when you've got a crowd reacting naturally to things that are happening on the court, it's different from what they're piping in. Okay, what they're piping in seems to be too too soft at certain times and too loud at other times and there's also no and you know we talked about the booing at the beginning of the Chiefs Texans games there's no boos on the pre-recorded right right pre-recorded sound so if an official makes a terrible call or you know there there's no jeering of a player who just fouled out so I think it's so it's become so unnatural and distracting to me and Particularly, the, I I feel like the NBA is doing a slightly better job than the NHL. The hockey games, it's almost unnoticeable until like the last three minutes of, the, of each period or of each game. Then all of a sudden, it's ten times louder yeah. than it was, and it's just it seems erratic. And again, it's something that you're taking what is a natural phenomenon, the reaction of thousands of people, and you're turning it into one person pressing a button. So I feel like it. it we should just get rid of it. Because it is, I feel like it has the potential to, to upset, you know, to to change the outcome of games. Interesting. Just, now the uh, I, like I have to say that I, I really dislike watching baseball right now because you watch the games and you get the feeling that it's a minor league spring training game. You know, there's like, because it's just like, or it's like when you were a kid playing in a in a field with about six people, you know, and you had to hit the ball to left field. It's sort of like that kind of feeling. It's not, um, it's weird. Yeah. It's also weird because the Yankees stink right now. <laughs> Are they below 500? 
uh, or maybe at I think they won at yesterday. 500, they yeah. won yesterday, so they might be a game yeah. or two. They still could, they're going to be in the playoffs, and they'll still maybe they can write it. But um, let's go. I do want to in in this vein say that the NBA, and again, I'm just a homer, so you know anything I say about the NBA is going to be complimentary. But I think they're doing a much better job with the fans. It's it's fairly bearable because what they do is they have this little drawing for virtual fans. And so you see both Toronto fans and Boston fans in last night's game. And so when the Toronto fans, when the Boston guys shooting the basket, they're doing all these hand movements to, you know, and it's, it, it gives you a little bit of feeling and the noise isn't crazy um, loud piped in or anything like that. I mean, you can actually hear some of the players once in a while. Um, so why don't we actually move into um, with less than 20 minutes to go let's actually talk about some games that happened <laughs> we did talk about the kansas city game kansas city looks like they're the real thing again um they're gonna be hard to beat they're gonna be hard to beat and you know if they do this for the next 15 years there'll be a dynasty <laughs> we'll see typically before the patriots teams were a dynasty for four or five years and then had a down period and maybe came back like the steelers or the 49ers but um uh, so we'll see, but right now they are a great team, Kansas City. Well, they're, they're, go ahead, Jeff. So, well, I was just say they're definitely banking on Patrick Mahomes. Literally, oh. they paid him five hundred right. million dollars, and at at that point in his career, he wasn't even due a new contract. I mean, that's unprecedented. Right. So they are, you know, they are one twisted ankle away from right from because know, that's really wealth. limits their um, salary cap issues. Which yeah, well, that's I, what I was gonna say. I, and I don't understand the front office, you know, cap and the, the, of the NFL, but you're paying, you've got Patrick Mahomes, I think it's like $450 million, 10 year contract or something like that. And so right now you've got Tyreek Hill cheap. Um, I think he's still on his, you know, cheaper end. I don't know if he got a payday yet. Their, their new running back, obviously he's a rookie, so he's going to be cheap for a little bit, but as the year goes, the Patriots were able to sustain for 20 years because they never really paid Tom Brady what he was worth. Right. So they were able to fill in the pieces with the players they needed. As this goes on, it'll be interesting to see. I do think the 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 Chiefs are going to be, uh, they're probably going to win this year. They'll probably win, you know, they'll be in it for three, four years in a row. But how they continue to sustain with paying Patrick Mahomes that much money, it's going to be really hard to get that second and third superstar in there to compliment a Patrick Mahomes. Eventually, you know, Travis Kelsey's going to, he's got a few years left when he's gone, who you're bringing in as a tight end, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to want his big payday. So it'll just be interesting to see how they maintain the roster around him paying him $450 million. Now, I have to say that uh, Andy Reid is a great coach. He really is, with a really inventive um, offensive uh, scheme. Oh, I thought you were going to say a really inventive fog screen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was weird. I did see a, a shot of him. It was fogged up, wasn't it? I don't know how he saw the game. I don't know. And plus, the thing is, with a screen, if you don't, 
shield, whatever it's called, if you don't wear a mask, you're still, I think, uh, droplets can come into you. That's what I don't quite get. But um, uh, so, yeah, so now let's just make a prediction then. So I'm, I'm assuming all three of us are picking Kansas City to be in the Super Bowl on the NFC side. Joe, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I. Oh, okay. I, Who do you I'll, have? I'll, 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 Don't I'll say Tampa against... Bay. Don't say Tampa uh, Bay, or I'll cut your mic. Well, <laughs> well uh, you know what's funny is they are the absolute wild card. They could win four games. They could win twelve. I know. Games. I know. They sort right. of had the the LeBron effect once right. Brady got there. There were a number of players who signed with Tampa Bay for, for discounts. Right. Yeah, and it, you know, I, I'm curious. That's going to be definitely going to be the story of the season. I, I I like Seattle from the NFC side. Yes, I, I okay, they are good. So you and yes, they are. This is and Wilson's tremendous, and Carroll's a good coach, and their defense I, I think is back. I love rooting for Pete Carroll just because you know he's sort of taken the forefront on some of these social justice issues. Yep. You know, yep. Over a number of years, and and so it kind of makes him easier to root for for me. And he just seems like a, you know, and this is an overused cliche that oh, seems like somebody I'd want to go have a beer with. But he really does seem like <laughs> yeah. someone I could sit. And down he does with. seem that he really likes the players. He really gets close to them in a way that Belichick doesn't or Andy Reid doesn't so much. You know, he really he's one of the boys, and uh, you know, and he gives them a lot of freedom in a way too, and a lot of encouragement. So yeah, good coach. Yeah. All right. So now, so we have two, two Kansas cities and one Seattle. Well, I, I like, I, I think, I like, I think Baltimore and Seattle, you know, you can't, again, you can't argue with defense and they've still got that Lamar Jackson guy who everyone seems to have forgotten about right in the, during the off season. But I, you know, he had as good a season as Mahomes did last year. So, all right. So you got, you got Baltimore coming in the AFC. And Seattle from the NFC. Okay. And who's going to play Kansas City in your dream world, Matt? I, I like that. I actually like that Seattle prediction. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the Seahawks. I do think they're going to be a good team. They were, you know, they were close to it last year. I don't think the 49ers are going to be as dominant uh, as they were last year. But they could sneak in. They could sneak in. I, well, I, the 49ers are a very good team. Yep. But uh, I, I think there's a little bit now. There's Now they're playing with the target. They're not, you know, they were, what were they, 4-12 and 12 two years ago. So now they're going to have the target on their backs. It's it's tougher to repeat. Um, so I actually think Seattle wins the division. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the Saints. I feel like this could be the Saints last time so now the saints you know, are in the afc nfc oh okay so you're you're throwing a bunch of but you're still going to stick with kansas city as your main pick kansas city wins it all okay but who do they beat in the super bowl uh, <laughs> go you know the giants come on no, no, yeah. <laughs> i'll go i'll go saints Wow. Okay, cool. I like that one. And you're not going to want to hear what I'm saying, but I got the Patriots back there, of course. Of course, of course. (laughs) But you know what? My crazy guesses sometimes aren't that far off. Um, You're you're betting on Bill Belichick to get to the Super Bowl. How how foolish. And, you know, that division is still terrible. I know. Absolutely. The Bills are better and the Dolphins are better, but they're still not. They're not Kansas City. The Jets are traditionally atrocious, and they <laughs> the will be traditionally atrocious. Oh, they will win three I, I feel so, so sorry for people that are Jets fans. You know, it's just like, no, I, I mean, I, I since Namath, have they had anybody, anybody, you know? 
Freeman McNeil. Uh, like we've had little flashes of Curtis of, Martin, you know, the expatriate. He did very Curtis well Martin, for him. Yeah, right. That we stole. You know yeah. the we, yeah. Wesley Walker. There were you know some some good receivers <laughs> back. But, yeah, but Walker so made back, it as a Patriot, not as a Jet, really. But uh, well, that was Welker. This Welker. Is Walker. Oh, you were talking Walker. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And again, this is how bad it is as a Jet fan. We have to sort of cherry pick a couple of players <laughs> over the last thirty years. And the other thing is though, Joe, is like it's the bonehead move they make consistently well that that's what i was just gonna say you know there are certain organizations that can't get out of their own way and they're just they just make bonehead move after bonehead move and and you know luckily for the patriots most of those other teams are in the afc east right look at what right i know you're you're look at what the dolphins just did if you look detailed as to how they're handling the tua tunga viola situation they're already, in my opinion, I, I hope this kid can have a successful career, but I just think they've already ruined his career. Are they starting Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is that so? They're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. However, so this kid, he was he was dominant quarterback out of Alabama, um, and he's coming off a gruesome uh, dislocated hip injury. Um, he's on the mend. He's working hard, and, and he's projected to fully recover. But it's a dislocated hip. What they did by releasing uh, Rosen, who would have been their number two quarterback, is now you're you're banking on the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick stays healthy. It, it's irrelevant. So the Dolphins are also saying we're not going to rush Tua and we're not going to put him out there until he's ready. But you've gotten rid of the backup quarterback. Seriously, is they, they only have two quarterbacks? So they have two quarterbacks. But so is now it, what happens wow. if Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. twists an ankle? Or what happens if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets COVID? Now you are forced to play Tua before he's ready. And we know that that could be extremely detrimental to a rookie to play them in the NFL before they're ready. It's just certain organizations don't it doesn't it appears that they don't think these things through all the way bill belichick doesn't make that mistake right bill belichick carries three quarterbacks on his roster in this situation because he knows to a tug of viola if he's not ready to play i'm not going to put him out right. on the field right I'm brian hoyer's a great a great um uh, thing if if Newton got injured and they put Stidham in and he just like bombed, um, you know exactly. Brian Hoyer would come in. He'd be capable. He'd be like Fitzpatrick. He's a you know yes. Fitzpatrick is a really interesting player. So I, I my father in law when he was alive was a Harvard grad and he had season tickets on the fifty yard line, which was a real sociological experiment going to those games. I really enjoyed them. <laughs> I drive from Western Mass and it was a big lot of fun. Um, um, but, you know, let me just say something about the fans. So the fans are all there, but they're there to see their other at, at the 50 yard line, their other wealthy friends. They didn't pay very little attention to the actual game and reacted very little to what was going out in the field. But Harvard had a great uh, product and good coaches. And I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick play as a Harvard player, and it was oh, like oh. 19 years ago or something like that. Um, and he, so he's been very durable and he's been remarkable that that he's not great but he's very consistent and very good and he's had a lot of success and uh, he's a harvard grad pretty impressive 
But uh, yeah, good point about the Dolphins. And 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 actually, when you take the Jets versus the Giants, I don't think the Giants are going to do that much this year. But at least I feel that they're moving in the right direction, unlike the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a lot to say about the Giants. I don't know how much time we have. Well, we'll wait because we still haven't talked about the Celtics, Toronto, yeah. Clippers, Lakers, all those things. Um, I so, can't believe we got this far without without right. you talking about the right. Celtics more. Right, Carol, that was that I know. Was hey, you know, what? I'm, I've grown up, Joe. I've got the slightest bit of restraint, just the slightest. <laughs> you know, I think we should really call this um, the Sports Plus show with Homer D and <laughs> Baker and Joe. I am a, a Joe. vicious yeah. homer. I, I can't help it. So, one other question then, and this will bring us into the Celtics-Toronto series, which was captivating. Um, so, in basketball, um, because they're playing at a bubble with no real fans, home court advantage disappeared. And in the real world, if if there had been played at Toronto and Boston, Game 7 would have been in Toronto. Toronto's like Kansas City for football. Toronto has vicious, wonderful, enthusiastic fans. And it could have really... And then, of course, you get certain calls when you're the home team, too. And this, this game came down to a couple plays at the end. So it's interesting about... The lack of home court advantage. Yeah, and it's usually so significant in the NBA. And what's funny is, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. the The home home team's winning percentage is about the same. The foul differential is a little lower, but it's comparable. So it's funny to see how you know these these things sort of have combined to take us part way there but not all the way there but it definitely feels so different I've, I've heard a lot of players say this too the that the biggest difference is the the no travel and that they all feel and you saw even after these these three guys for Boston play every minute they're on the court every minute smart Brown and Tatum even after a double overtime game it seemed like they played right almost the entire game last night and that's they get a break in the that, first half, but right, they and the same for Lowry and um, you know yeah, <laughs> Siakam. They, they played the whole second half and and then they, the two overtimes. Uh, that they all that finished. double overtime game was a great game, great he, game. And even the game seven was fantastic too. It didn't it really was down to the last shot, but just the, all the it was like a you know you hear this comparison all the time it was like a heavyweight fight. One team would go on a fourteen point run, and yep. the other mm-hmm. team would would hit three threes right in a row. But right. The thing, the thing I'm seeing, and it's funny, you know, we, for years we saw the movement towards getting two or three superstars, two or three A plus players on your team. Boston doesn't have a single A plus player. They've got a bunch of A minus. Tatum, yeah. Tatum's, Tatum's threatening. Tatum's threatening. But you know, Toronto also. The, you know, Lowry is probably right. arguably their best player. But I think that's the trend we're going to see. Is is if you get seven. Right, A minus players, you're better off. Especially, and, well, in the you playoffs. know, you really see that in um, college and like Villanova, who won a championship or two um, with their current coach, was an example where they have very good players and players that get drafted, but they're not. Um, you know, they're not LeBron James, but they have a team and these players play together for four years and it makes a difference. And especially in basketball, football, it's a little harder because you have so many players. But in basketball, you know, if you have a good nucleus that plays unselfishly, 
Uh, I have to give great credit to Toronto. Um, I can't say I like their uh, over-enthusiastic coach much, but he's very successful. <laughs> but um, but they they really played like champion. The Celtics were by far a better team. I mean, it wasn't even close in talent. Um, you know, the, the Celtics came very close to sweeping a series. But Toronto really showed why they were champs last year. It wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. It was, and Lowry, I love, hate him. He's a flopper. He's, but he, but and he, um, but he hits clutch shots. Uh, they really held him the last game. I think that's why Toronto didn't win. He did not go um, taking those threes and burying them from ten feet behind the three point line. Yeah. It's interesting because there's so much to a home court advantage or, or home field that regardless of the sport, I think, and it, it truly does, it, it plays into the outcomes of these games. And now it's interesting, you're seeing in the NBA, and, and I would imagine to this, the same extent in hockey, where pure team, and in the NBA, it, it, it is about individuals, but you're just seeing team versus team yeah. and which X's and O's scheme, which play set works better. And, and, and I think coaching really plays into the outcome of these NBA games, because there is something to be said you're, when you're playing on your own home court, when you're able to go to sleep in your own bed, when you're not traveling, when you know the, the fans will have your back, even after you miss a shot, those are the things that a home court advantage really does give you the edge and you're you're not seeing any of that in these in this bubble format playoff which is kind of cool it's it's just pure sport okay and pure athleticism all right so we got two minutes left now i'm going to force you guys to make a make a call on the nba so i'm going to say that the final four i don't think it's finally settled yet but it looks pretty clearly it's in the west it's going to be the lakers versus the clippers and then in the east it's miami versus boston so who wins each series and who wins the final uh joe you want to start uh, yeah, I don't know if I can pick this Boston-Miami series. I expect it to be every bit as competitive and interesting as this Boston-Toronto series. I agree. Because Miami is the same type of team. Oh, they're, they're great. They're balanced. And it's really funny to see the difference between the two East Coast teams and the two West Coast teams who are absolutely star-heavy, top-heavy. Right. So right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the classic series that I think every NBA fan would love to see. Oh, tell me. Boston-LA? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and when I say and L.A., I, I mean the Lakers, not the Clippers. The Lakers. And yeah. I can't honestly cannot pick against LeBron as great as these Celtics are. I know. Honestly, I know. Put, I agree. You, you, you could put you and me out there with <laughs> Smart, Brown, and Tatum and win 50 games. But I just they're, – yeah. they're not quite ready. And we, we've said All this right. before, too, that in the NBA, you have to sort of climb the ladder. You don't just go from – Right. From, right. No, it's you know, true. Point it's true. To point a. Matt, who do you think? Uh, I like Boston and Clipper. Uh, who I want, I want the Lakers to win. You do? Um, wow. Okay. I, I'm rooting for LeBron. I think that would be cool. Yeah. LeBron and AD, and and you know, I think part of that is is the Kobe stuff too. So I would like the Lakers to win. However, I think it'll be Boston and the Clippers. And I think the Clippers win. Okay, I'm sort of where you're at, Boston and the Clippers, except I will say that Miami has a tremendous advantage. They're very even teams, but their center, uh, uh, 
Bam Adebayo, I think it is. The Celtics do not have a powerful center, so he could be a real difference maker. All right. So, you know, we got 20 seconds. So I'm just going to, like, say that maybe next week you guys can explain college football to me because I don't get it. I don't get it. You know? Why? 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 It's why? like that's, that's my and, and BC is the you know they're they're having huge problems. All right. Well, you listen to the first. Uh, let's see if I get the name right. Uh, Sports Plus with Big D Baker and Joe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the inaugural podcast version of the Sports Plus Show. You can check us out at the sportsplusshow.com. Make sure to rate and review us on the podcast listening platform of your choice and tune in again next week for episode two. Thanks for listening, everybody.